ever dreamed or thought that being a millionaire would be possible. Accepting that it could be my reality really gave me some confidence. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles, and tips for building healthy money habits. Find out how today's guest, the first college graduate in her immigrant household, turned her toxic work environment into the motivation to go from mindless spender to millionaire. I'm your host, Todd Christensen, and on this episode of The Money Fit Show, I visit with Wally Miller of Financially Thriving. So don't hit the pause button. I'll be back. Wally Miller is a financial coach and money mentor who went from overspending as a compulsive shopper to being debt-free and building multiple six-figure investment portfolio. After spending her 20s, spending every dollar she earned and saving very little, sounds like somebody I know, she knew she had to start uh, doing something different. The thought of working for the next 30 to 40 years just to survive wasn't the life she wanted. So after gaining control of her finances and creating a plan, She's now on her way to being work optional before the age of 40. Wally is a first-generation college student, uh, college graduate, Latina, and daughter of an immigrant. Born and raised in the Bronx, she openly notes on her site that she is the first millionaire in her family, which is really exciting. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to welcome you, Wally Miller, to the Money Fit Show, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Todd. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about having this conversation and hopefully something will resonate with your audience um, I, to share that they can do it too. I am sure it will. I wanted to note that with that last uh, uh, bit about being the first millionaire, knowing you, knowing others in this, uh, uh, I, I love the way you say it, work optional movement. Uh, it's not a boast, but because the next line on your site actually says that you want to help women become the first millionaires in their families. It's all about helping others achieve their goals as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think one of the first sort of beliefs that I had to overcome and uh, was believing that it was even possible, right? I think mm -hmm. some people dream of being the president or being a baseball player, a basketball player. Um, I never dreamed or thought that being a millionaire would be possible for me. And so sort of uh, accepting that it could be my reality if I just started doing things a little bit differently uh, really gave me some confidence and it gave me the financial security that I wanted. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I'm so excited to talk about this, this journey that, that you're on. Uh, I ask a question of our guests right up front. Um, and quite often it's this question I'm going to ask you, did you, when you were young, what, you speaking of dreams, what, what you didn't dream about being a financial coach as a young girl. Come on. Not at all. What's a financial coach? <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, yeah, no, not at all. It, uh, I, I definitely was always a little bit of a money nerd, meaning that numbers and sort of fascinated me, but just because you're fascinated with numbers does not equate to being good with money. And mm -hmm. so I never dreamed that I would be a financial coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I loved, I loved math at least up until about middle of uh, high school, but yeah, I was, I was, 
I can relate with what you're talking about uh, in your, your mm-hmm. early journey. You refer to yourself as an overspender and as a compulsive shopper before starting this journey to debt freedom. Can I ask you what it feels like or what it felt like to be a compulsive spender or shopper? What does that feel like? Yeah, it was a lot of mindless shopping. And I really didn't know that I had an issue. I didn't really know how impulsive I was until I tried to do something called a no spend challenge. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that I needed to do something different with my finances, I had heard of something called a no spend challenge. And that's, you can do it for as long as you'd like a week, two weeks, a month, and you only spend money on the most essential central things. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to complete a no spend challenge. So I would spend no money except for things that I absolutely needed, like fuel in the car, make sure my rent was paid, make sure I had food on the table. Um, but don't spend any money outside of that. And I realized I was, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I failed the first week and then the second week. And then the third week, <laughs> what was the hardest part about that? What was it that, that you're like, oh, I, I, I've got to go out and spend money on this. What was it? Yeah. Sometimes it was just out of mere boredom, right? Yep, it was, yep. you know, headed to the gas station to put money in the vehicle. And then all of a sudden I see a target store, right. <laughs> or going into a, uh, a target, for example, to buy some of the essential things like laundry detergent or toilet yeah. paper, and then just so happened to uh, wander off into the home decor section. Right, right. Right. And so it was all of these like little mindless spending. And in my mind, I wasn't an overspender, right? Because I didn't spend money uh, on expensive things. Mm-hmm. I never purchased, you know, luxury handbags or expensive clothes. Um, I went to, you know, I shopped at Ross and Marsh- Marshalls and Burlington Co. Factory and Nordstrom mm-hmm. Rack. So I didn't really spend a lot of money or uh, I didn't really buy expensive things. Right. But all of these little purchases added up. And I realized that I was making so many mindless <laughs> spent so many mindless purchases that it was really affecting the bottom line. Huh. Was was there a person in your life that that was influencing you to see what uh, what these were? Or I mean, how did how did you come about to see the, the this this no spend challenge? Where did that come from? Yeah. So I. Um, was pretty lucky that when I graduated college, I fell into a career or I chose a career that I really enjoyed. I absolutely loved the work that I was doing. I felt extremely fulfilled and I was working at a fantastic place. Now, all of that changed when the director and supervisor left the office and management changed and my ideal work environment became sort of a toxic workplace. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was making pretty good money and didn't have a whole lot to show for it. What I had to show for it were things like clothes and shoes. Um, And I couldn't just walk away from my job. I didn't have enough uh, money put away, uh, set aside in my emergency fund or money set aside in my, in a savings account that I could just say, you know what, I need to prioritize my mental health, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and my emotional well-being, And I can't, I can no longer work here. And it was that feeling of not being in control and not feeling like I had a lot of options that really made me take a look at what I was doing with my money. 
So as you as you noticed that uh, need, what was it then after that? It, what was it that kept you motivated or gave you the determination to make those necessary changes? Changes? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that I did was, and I, when I work with my clients, you know, there's part of um, money that deals with the math and the mechanics, but the other part is the mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I focused on really understanding what my numbers were, right? Not knowing what my salary was because that didn't matter, but really knowing what my income was <laughs> because your salary could be very different than once taxes and all the fees and health insurance and all of that is taken out. So really understanding what my monthly income was. The mm -hmm. second thing was really understanding what my expenses were. When I calculated all of the essential things, right? Mm -hmm. So my food, housing, transportation, I said, okay, uh, there's a couple things that I do out of convenience, or maybe to add a little bit of value to my life. So I went ahead and put that down. Supposedly, I was, <laughs> I was supposed to have um, a few hundred dollars left over uh -huh. after each paycheck. <laughs> right. And I was like, I never have that money left over. So what is going on? And so it was that realization that I didn't know where every single dollar was going. I had no idea where I was spending my money. You know, you, you live, you live in New York on Manhattan, in Manhattan, you say, mm -hmm. and um, th that's a pretty expensive place to live. I uh, will work with, uh, with people or meet people in classes or at conferences and, and, and some will just say, or they honor a response to a blog that I must be off my rocker when I talk about being able to balance budgets and so forth, because they say that I live in an expensive place. How do you live in an expensive place? I mean, is it possible? It's obviously possible. What is it that, that you do that people in other places can, can do as well? Yeah. First of all, it's really, I think uh, some of this conversation can go to, well, if I made more money, right? Mm, always, if I made right? more money, I would be in a better situation. But for most people, we are making more money today than we ever have, mm -hmm. right? And so what tends to happen is that as we increase our income, our lifestyle also increases, right? There's this term called inflate, uh, lifestyle inflation, right? Mm -hmm. Or lifestyle creep. So right. we begin to want to upgrade the apartment or the home or the car or spend a little bit more money on eating out, spend more, have more expensive vacations. And I think it's really important. This is not you know, the, the road or the path that I lay out for my clients is not a path of deprivation, right? Mm -hmm. I definitely don't want that. I enjoy my life, right? but it's about cutting out those things that are causing these budget leaks that we're not necessarily aware of. Mm -hmm. And so focus on the things that you value most, that bring you the most joy, that is most important to you, and then cut out those things that just are causing those budget leaks, right? Those, those mindless shopping trips, those things that we, you know, even when I, when I think back my shopping, sort of uh, my impulsivity and shopping, I was buying clothes that didn't fit properly, that I never wore, that uh -huh. I didn't like as much. And so really becoming intentional with the way you spend your money, I think is the way to go. So you're talking with, with your clients, and uh, getting them to prioritize, not just prioritize, because I mean, when we prioritize, it can get really boring. Oh, I have to do housing and food. But 
what do you talk to them about what brings them joy and, and how to prioritize that? Is that, is that what you do? Yeah. You know, you know, you would think that as a financial coach, I want to talk about financial goals. I actually would love to talk about and where I start is the lifestyle goals. Mm -hmm. Tell me the life that you want to live, because honestly, I don't care how you spend your money, but I want to know what type of life you want to live. And then as a financial coach, I'm going to help you achieve that life. And so many of my clients Sure, they come to me because they are interested in this work optional lifestyle, but what does that mean, right? What does that mean to you? And why is it that you want to achieve that? Is it because you want to sit on a beach and not do anything? Is it because you want to spend more time with your family? Okay, so how can you do that today? Not wait 5, 10, 15 years until you have a lump sum, right? How can you enjoy the process, balance what you want today without forfeiting what you're going to need in the future? And sure, I live in, an ex in a, a high cost of living area, you know, San Francisco. There's so many different cities and places in the world where... Um, you know, housing, for example, could be really expensive, mm -hmm. but there's still some decisions that you can make um, to reduce your housing costs, your transportation costs, right? I think one of the biggest, uh, particularly if you live in a big city, you might say, okay, well, I absolutely need to have a car. Well, what about something like public transportation, right? Mm -hmm. um, what about instead of buying a brand new vehicle or leasing a vehicle, is there another option in order to have a mode of transportation to get you from point A to point B that might not uh, require, you know, a $500 a month mm -hmm. uh, car payment. So there are certain decisions that we can make so that even if we live in a high cost of living area, really focus on the things on spending money on the things and experiences that we value most. Cool. Yeah. And there, I mean, I, I come from uh, lived in, in Idaho for the last 20 years and, there's no public transportation, but there are some people that, you know, when I talk about vehicles, there are some people that that is, that is their primary goal. And, you know, I can't knock that, but as long as that's what they want, if that, 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 you know, and then maybe they can justify spending 550 average $550 a month on their car, but it's about saying, do you want that vehicle or do you want this, this lifestyle over here? And I think that's, that's a great point you make. There are, of course, some limitations uh, for 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 certain people who are either in between jobs or, or unemployed or um, dealing with very limited income. But are there other limitations that we kind of put on ourselves sometimes that that you have to deal with with some of your clients? I'm going to use a term here that might sound a little woo woo and it's money <laughs> mindset. <laughs> yeah. But essentially when we think about money mindset, it's our behaviors, our habits, our thoughts, and our feelings around money. And when I began to really sort of hone into what my money habits were, I realized that some of it came from, you know, having the childhood that I did, right? I grew up born and raised in New York City, born, uh, raised in the Bronx, the poorest borough in the city, right? Mm -hmm. um, although I had uh, I came from a two-family um, household, right? My or a two-parent household. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so my dad mm -hmm. was the sole provider. Um, I lived in, um, you know, we we didn't have a lot of extras. We always had a roof over our head. We had food on the table, but sometimes that food on the table was, you know, 
like a bowl of rice and beans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? There may not have been a lot of extra. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't really have conversations around money, but there were some things that I learned indirectly from my parents that really affected the way I thought about money. Mm-hmm. And so as I, you know, grew up and had better jobs and higher paying jobs, I wanted to sort of make up for the lack that I had in my childhood, right? I wanted to go from having only one pair of shoes for the whole school year to having two, three, four, five, right? I just wanted options. Mm -hmm. There was this whole feeling of I deserve. Um, And there was also this, this feeling of not not, it wasn't a feeling. (laughs) The reality was I didn't know what to do with money, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't know what to do with some of the extra that I had. I always saved a little bit, but how much, what was I saving for? And not having a goal attached to what you wanted to do with that money, what I wanted to do with that money was really hard to, to sort of think about this like nebulous concept that saving money was good. I think we all know that it doesn't matter where in the planet you live. Like Mm -hmm. we should, you know, uh, save a little bit of the harvest (laughs) for those hard times. Right. But it was really hard to, to understand, okay, what am I saving for? Like, the future, what does that even mean? Yeah. I, uh, I'm wondering, you know, you bring up your, your childhood. What is it to, what does it mean to you? Somebody who's approaching complete financial independence, basically, what does it mean to you as somebody doing that as a Latina and the daughter of an immigrant? Yeah. You know, we didn't really talk about money growing up and Uh, One of the things that I realized, um, you know, I was in this sort of tough situation where I really wanted to leave this toxic work environment and Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had a lot of options. And I went to the world of Google to kind of see like, what am I missing? How Mm -hmm. can I be better with money? What can I do? And I came across this article talking about this couple who had retired in their forties, right? Mm -hmm. They were part of something called the fire movement, which essentially stands for financial independence, retiring early. And I was really fascinated. And one of the components that I was missing was this whole wealth building, right? Mm that it wasn't just about saving money. It was about how can I build this? So I really decided to, to learn more about what I could be doing with my money. What, what, it, what did it mean to invest, right? What did it mean to build wealth? What, how did I define wealth? And when I really dug into what those things meant, what I wanted was freedom, mm-hmm. right? What I wanted was to be able to spend more time with my family, to be able to travel, um, to be able to be happy and not be dependent on a paycheck. And so when I started on my financial wellness journey, it was really surrounded about how can I do better? Now that shifted and changed when I realized that the tools that I was uh, using and the concepts that I was learning could go far beyond to just what I could do with my life, mm-hmm. that it could also change a whole family legacy, that it could change a whole generation, right? And this is where we talk about like building generational wealth, right? What is my legacy going to be when I leave this earth, right? Mm-hmm. Can I change the the way my nieces and nephews go to school and not have to, you know, work two jobs and get into student loan debt? 
is there a way that I could make a difference? Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about financial independence, sure, it means being able to be work optional. I could work if I wanted to, I can take a lower paying job because I'm not dependent on that paycheck, but it also means how can I change my whole, my whole family's financial legacy? How can I change that story? There's a sort of quote going around Instagram where it says, you know, poverty ran through my family until it ran into me. (laughs) Yeah. And that really resonated with me. So I went from a very, not self-centered, but a really me kind of (laughs) motivation. Uh Yeah. And then it was more like, wow, financial independence is really about, you know, uh, generational wealth. It's really about you know, affecting not only yourself, but your household, your community, uh, your whole family. So that is sort of how I defend, uh, define financial independence today. I love that. It's, I mean, I, I see it, uh, what you're saying is kind of not just quality of life for yourself, but improving quality of life for, for those around you. Right, exactly. Family and beyond. Uh, just a couple more questions for you here. I really appreciate your, your, uh, uh, you sharing this. Well, tell me about, um, I mean, you, you probably work with quite a variety of clients. You, you don't, do you, you don't, do you have a typical client or um, what about, what's the range of type of uh, people that you work with? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on Instagram and I talk a lot about wealth building and I talk a lot about investing because most of my clients are millennials and Gen Zers. Right. And so they're really attracted by this idea of how could I make let my money make money for me. Mm -hmm. But when they begin working with me as a financial coach, I don't sell investments. I don't sell insurance. I don't sell any type of financial products really what we're doing is creating a foundation, right? Creating a framework so that they can, again, build that lifestyle that they want, right? Using some of the principles that I've already talked about, that we've talked about, right? Creating that spending plan, learning how to save, but attaching goals, specific dreams, goals, milestones that you want to achieve, right? And so most of my clients tend to be women, uh, high achieving professionals, right? Who figured out the, I got a good job. <laughs> yeah. Now what, what do I do with my money? Um, but who feel overwhelmed sort of navigating the whole 401k and what's a 403b and I don't know yeah. what to do. Um, and so, you know, they, they've sort of had that moment where it's like, okay, I've been making pretty good money. Where is it all going? I really want to gain control. So that is sort of, uh, the, the people who come to me, I do work with couples as well, but mm-hmm. I would say the majority, the book, the bulk of my clients tend to be women. Yeah. Very cool. I, I'm sure they appreciate your, your work. Um, hey, uh, Wally, as we finish up here, could you give uh, our listeners one piece? If you had one piece of advice, financial advice you want to give them, uh, what, what would it be today? Yeah, I would say the first thing people really need to do is know your numbers, Mm -hmm. know how much income you have, know what your expenses are, know what your debt is. Um, It can be really scary to like open up that credit card statement after a holiday season or after (laughs) a vacation, right? Um, But it's so important not to ignore it. So really understand what your numbers are. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't go anywhere if you don't know where you're at now. So, mm-hmm. uh, hey, Wally, how do how can uh, my listeners connect with you online? 
Yeah, I'm most active on social media, on Instagram specifically. Um, so you can find me at uh, financially thriving or financially underscore thriving. Um, I'm also, I also have a website if you wanted to learn more about how to work with me one-on-one and some of my financial coaching. Um, and that's at financiallythriving.com. Great. I'll make sure to put those in our show notes today. Wally Miller, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate your time. And, and uh, to our, my listeners, I want to say thank you very much for joining us today. Do check out our pod- podcast archives at moneyfit.org podcast. And until next time, please stay money fit and stay well. Uh-huh.